This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 188. Well, we're bringing back our very first guest, and it's for the record ninth time. Frank Mazzacco was on show number two more than 10 years ago now. You were on show number two, Frank. We didn't have a guest the first show. We were just trying to figure it out. But Frank, welcome back to the ninth time to the GPL Podcast. Thanks. I, I thought I was on the first show and I thought I was really adventurous back at the time, but <laughs> not, good. not quite, not quite. But, uh, you know, you know, that w- we were just trying something back then. We weren't, yeah. we, we weren't live back then. We were just recording. I, I believe even that first show, we actually had video so we could see each other, but we've been doing audio ever since. Uh, been doing live audio for at least seven or eight years. And uh, this season we went to live video with everyone zooming now. Everyone's got the technology that uh, we can see you for the podcast now, Frank. Well, we can see you. I mean, I, I, um, <laughs> I do, it's, it's really enhanced the show. Can you hear me? Okay. Cause I oh, like, we can hear you just fine. I have a microphone. In my hand. It, I think it just made the show sharper, cleaner, more spontaneous and so it's a good addition congratulations i think it's fun just to see people's reactions because a lot of times there's a lot of uh you know visual cues that you're not going to get on audio obviously audio is still the big thing and and we record the show and 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 whatnot um what's become popular actually is the 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 overtime part and we've had an overtime go we had an overtime go an hour and 20 minutes Oh no! With Paul Capanigri, he was in Florida, so it was getting close to one a.m. his time when we shut down. But but the over his talent fees, you you probably went broke. (laughs) I mean, I'm giving you the bargain rate. Well, he gets the same bargain rate. He he loves coming on the show, and we love having him. We love having you. Um. But it's just that bonus for people who watch live. You know, you get the audio recording. You're not going to get the overtime. It's for the people who watch live. So uh, we love this bit, and uh, it's 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 a fun adventure. Uh, what was also a fun adventure this week, Vigo, is our team bounced back from a terrible series with Wisconsin and shut out the Fighting Irish. That was the team I was hoping to see this season, <laughs> weekend and weekend and weekend. They brought back so much veteran talent up front, and that's been the, the spot of this program that's been kind of a weakness the last couple of years is forwards who aren't engaged and who can't drive the game. They commit turnovers, feed the other team's offense, and just make, make the game harder for themselves than they should. What we saw this last weekend was a team that was committed to playing a very honest game. We saw a team that put pucks to the crease and followed it up. 
And we saw a team take advantage of space and make really fun, creative plays. And we saw a couple goals this weekend that were just great bing, bang, bingo plays that were pretty to watch. And we also saw some plays that were hard, gritty plays. And we didn't see them turn the puck over a lot, which was just, that's how you have to play Notre Dame. And after that Wisconsin series, I was, I was worried. I posted on GPL this week. Yep. We can step away from the ledge. It's still another step away. It's still right there. That <laughs> ledge, that ledge is there for any college athlete to just step back towards. But for this weekend, they stepped away and they played the way they have to do to be successful, not just in the Big Ten, but going forward, maybe in a tournament that could happen this year. On the flip side, Frank, you know, actually, Viggs kind of mentioned there, they didn't turn the puck over, meaning they had a lot of good puck possession. And when you have good puck possession and you're in good position, it, it not only lends to the offensive side, but it also lends to the defensive side. And obviously, Back-to-back shutouts for LaFontaine. It's not all him. I don't think he had too many huge um, times where he was like struggling or anything, but it was the team defense in front of him that was just outstanding all weekend. Uh, agreed. You know, it's um, – well, first of all, I'm going to back a little bit. Okay. It is go for hockey. We live on the edge. I mean, it's just <laughs> – it, it, why is it so crazy that they lose two to Wisconsin and then you think – well, this is it. They're done. I mean, there's, but they, they really have shown in the last, I don't know how many years, as the teams have, have had a better personality, they, they tend to be able to rebound pretty darn well. If they fall flat Friday, tend to come back on Saturday, but it's that inconsistency that drives you nuts. And, and you think, well, you think one bad pass out of the defensive zone and the whole ship is going to go right down the tank, but um, they come back and, and, and who can have a perfect, absolutely perfect season anyway. But when this team is playing like they played against Notre Dame, you really got to know your stuff to find out what they aren't doing quite well, mm-hmm. because it's, it's really close to like a 98% grade. I mean, they really are good. All right, Eagle, would, Eagle would fill in that 2%. He, that's why he's on this show every week, right? <laughs> he's the smart one. I just guide the – I just push you in the right direction, right, Beegs? Well, Don in his last year told me that I was smarter than I looked. <laughs> a face Thanks, for radio? Don. A face for radio? Thanks, Don. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Don Lucia. <laughs> the Don liked you. At least it you. wasn't over Zoom. At least it wasn't the, over Zoom when he told the, it to The me. Don he liked you, though. He acknowledged you in the room. I mean, that's. <laughs> I know pretty, pretty exciting high but, level stuff there. But I mean, let's talk about that kind of uh, vagues, you know, you know, Frank talks about the team personality and, you know, and that kind of starts at the top with Matsko. It's, it's sorry. Matsko's not a stiff like Lucia was. I'm sorry. He, he was just kind of a stiff, especially the further along he got. Well, and I think there were there was that kind of eggshell feel to everybody in the program. Yes, you know the the leaders weren't always all in. There were a lot of people. You know, you start to get to the end of the season, they're excited to talk to the NHL scouts after the game. You know, they're looking for their points. They're trying to push for offense. They're not playing an honest game. It's kind of like they got one foot out the door already. 
maybe there's just a different demeanor right now with this team. You're seeing it in the battle level at faceoffs. I know that was a big part of the weekend against Notre Dame was to compete for draws. So you're not chasing the puck all the time. There's also an emphasis on blocking shots. So you're helping your goalie out. You're, you're trying to stop the other team from getting easy pucks to the net. And you're just kind of lowering the risk there. And you're also seeing players get deeper in the offensive zone to break the puck out. Now, when you talk about puck support, that usually starts with your center playing below the dots, you know, They've got four centers who can do that right now, and it really makes a big difference in their game. If you can win draws and you've got centers who play all 200 feet, the game gets a lot easier. Well, it was it was just a good weekend all around, helped out by uh, Wisconsin and, and Michigan splitting at Michigan last weekend, allowing Minnesota to get back up into first place and to control their own destiny again, Frank, which they lost once you know the Badgers came in and swept them. Yeah, I, that series certainly had a big effect. And I also, being I'm thrilled, well, I'll throw both of you guys too, which I hadn't thought about until now. Um, so you had the immediate pass with the, the flat, really subpar weekend against Wisconsin. And then you go back to the last time they played Notre Dame. Two very flat games. So they almost had like a four-game make good going when they went into Indiana uh, last weekend. And, I, and I'm wondering how much the four games collectively may have um, helped inspire them to dig down a little harder, to play a little deeper. And, the th- you know, okay, so do you want to answer that or do you want me to just ramble on? I got, a, I got another <laughs> thing to say, too. Well, I think one thing we got out of these weekends is that the leadership of the team didn't mm-hmm. let this marinate any further. I think Brandon McManus talked about this after the Friday game against Notre Dame. He said, you know, Rabs noticed it and called it out. He said, on the bench, when guys aren't playing the right way and are turning over pucks or in the wrong position defensively or cheating, you know, guys on the bench are calling each other out and saying, hey, you need to be here. You can't be there. And it's not the coaches leading this change. It's the players holding each other accountable and I think that's that's a level of commitment to a team game that's been missing a little bit. Maybe the leaders haven't found their game and they're still seeking it so they don't feel confident in setting the standard or they're already looking ahead to what they're going to be doing in April and May and don't want to invest the time in it. So I think we have a little bit of a difference there. And, and that's what happened after the Wisconsin week. You know, they had that Monday practice where they – paid the program back an hour (laughs) after the Notre Dame series. The first time they had a battle practice to kind of raise the intensity a little bit. So we've seen some responses and I think that's the encouraging thing there. And and I don't just think it's like the one leader or anything like that. You know, I think of somebody like Justin Clues who bled maroon and gold. He really cared, but he wasn't quite able to get the buy-in of everyone else at the same time, it seems like now they actually, they have that, they have the lead, people will listen to the leadership and maybe, you know, Clues really wanted to have that. And he de- definitely had the heart boy, you know, he really gave it is, is all when he was here, but it was just the ones around him who didn't quite have that. It takes more than one. You need it does. more than one it leader does. on a team. It's just, you know, the guy who has the C, he can't get all 20 players going. 
you know, it's got to be a couple guys on and different lines who can keep it going and keep it organized. In different age this groups, team has too. enough in different age groups. And this team's got pretty good balance that way. So every line's got some guys who are very reliable, honest players, and uh, it helps. I think seeing Jackson Nelson play with uh, Walker and McLaughlin paid dividends this last weekend. He plays a heavy game. He's good on draws, and he helps support those guys so they can go out and create offense. How about our boy who got booted twice recently? Jackson Nelson? Yeah. I I think it's hard to, to pin too much on him. He's a big kid, and hits like that in the college game are always going to get called that way. There was a lot of flack on Twitter. I even had a couple people DMing me with comments on it. Every time in amateur hockey, that's going to get called that way. In the pro game, those might not even be penalties. Because technically, the, technically it's not. But when it's, when a head snaps like that, they're gonna call it even if he didn't hit him in the head. The big open ice hit is something that's just not there in the college game. The only way it maybe doesn't get called is if you just go straight through him. But anytime you have that kind of glancing blow, kind of collision, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a penalty. What did Sorry. you think of that that open ice hit, Frank? Oh, it was a terrible penalty. I mean, I just thought it was a clean hit. It was hard. I, I, um, I, mean, I haven't got a voicemail from a friend who said in the middle of the game, like, I couldn't <laughs> answer it. It took me till after. He said, I was, I've watched that just as many times as you have. And he says, and it's still a terrible call. <laughs> I mean, I, I think technically it was just a good, it was a hard hit. But, um, Troop, you're, you're, you're right. It, when that head snaps like that, that's going to get the attention of even yep. the ref who can see the play. I mean, that, I called it whiplash when I saw it, but and, and, and it really did look bad. But once you look at the video, I think, I, I think that could have loosened up. Even, you know, I, I don't know, even give him a double minor for a roughing or something, but um, I, I just don't think it was a by the book penalty. It probably it was wasn't. It was contact just- to the head. It was not contact to the head. No, it was no. a dangerous hit. Like you said, in the Hockey. pros, that doesn't even get called. Probably in the juniors, that doesn't even get called. No, a pro- game. It is a dangerous game. But like you're seeing in college football right now, they're trying to protect players who are defenseless. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt them as they go up in levels when all of a sudden they have to deal with those kind of hits a little more. But in the college game, they're trying to take that hit out. You know, the idea of contact in hockey in its truest sense is to separate the player from the puck and to gain possession. It's not to intimidate. It's not to injure. It's not to send a message. That's the difference between amateur hockey and professional hockey. But the difference is in pro hockey is to send a message. Pro hockey is all about sending messages. But do you think Nelson was doing either of those, any of those last three things that you suggest. And I don't either. I don't either. I don't think he was, I but he was... I think that's, that's why they have the game that they do in college is they want to take that hit out. Yeah, oh. no, I, I, um, I, I, you know, it sounds like I'm saying the guy was, you know, the guy back was a, was a wimp on the deal. And I'm not saying no. that. I mean, he, he took a hard hit and should have been hurting right from that hit. But I, uh, I think Bob Motzko said it very well. 
kind of in the heat of the moment, right on our post-game show. He's a big boy. He's going to have to learn how to throw hits like that without blowing people up. You know, he, he's got he, – he has to learn to tone that back a little bit. And I think Sample Ranta is a player who has kind of figured that out a little bit. Like, you've watched him deliver certain hits this year. He knows when to lay the wood like he did on Notre Dame's captain on Saturday, which Bob called out after the game, calling that his favorite play Ranta made over the weekend. It wasn't the pretty goals. It wasn't the nice assists. It was hitting their defensive captain on his tail on the forecheck. <laughs> That's what Bob liked. He's like, I don't even recall the pretty between the legs pass on the back door. <laughs> I don't even, that doesn't even bring oh, a bell to me. Boy, that was but a that beautiful that play. He laid, that was a beautiful that hit he play. Laid, I like that. And I think Sampo's kind of learned, like, he's a big body. And when he first got to the Gophers, he took some bad offensive zone penalties trying to do what he thought he was supposed to do, which is come in hard on the forecheck and hit people. And he made the mistake a couple of times of hitting people from behind or boarding them. And he's kind of learned where to draw the line a little bit. And he said in the post game, you know, you've got to learn that part of the game. Goalie, did he blow up on home ice? Was that, a, was that the Notre Dame goalie? One of those series? I can, I can see a dark Jersey and I'm, and I'm wondering if it was. I don't remember. Well, I mean, the coaches tell him to drive to the net. Well, he was, and then he couldn't stop. He absolutely couldn't right. stop, and he just got a charging call. I'll take, I'll take those calls. I'll, if it's an offensive penalty and that's it, and he's trying to get to the goal, that's about the only offensive penalty I don't mind at all. The rest charging. of them, well, when you when when he's cutting the corner and trying to make cut in, and he's got the puck, I think it's a little different than purposely charging the goal. I mean, you know, it's an aggressive play that has. Had really given him dividends uh, and, and goals. So I, I'm not such a huge deal on that. Um, I'm thankful we have physical play. We have players who can play. Yes. Physical. And it's really difficult to do on our large ocean that we call 3M Arena at Mariucci. You know, I mean, that's a big rink. And if you, you can't. And a big name, too. Of, yeah, it does. <laughs> you um, you can't build your team around a bunch of hitters and play on that rink. You you, you know you got to build for speed and but I mean you, you look down the middle you got Reedy uh, right not well not the, down the middle but you look up front you got Reedy and Ranta and Nelson and Myers they can play big strong players up front. When's the last time the Gophers had four guys up front? That could play strong like that, physically and, strong. And Perbix. Perbix has done a Perbix. nice job at center, too, now. Sure. He plays a heavy game. Yep. You know, and Munson's going to go in there. Quite, maybe not quite as heavy as the others, but he's going to go in there, too. Well, it's not sounding like, uh, you know, with the way the finances are right now, that the rank change is going to happen anytime soon. They still want to do it, but. Well, they're going to have to do something pretty soon because that, that rink, that refrigeration system yeah. is going to be obsolete. Correct. It's it's getting tougher and tougher to buy the, 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 the refrigerant. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we go to the Board of Regents and ask for another loan. No. Good luck with that. Because I see you already <laughs> not know. Well, if they have to replace the rink, 
if that refrigeration system somehow goes out sometime? What are they going to do? Well, it, it's discussion that they don't have to use donor or athletic funds potentially for that piece of it, the refrigerant upgrade. But the problem is they want to do the rink resizing at the same time, which is an additional cost. So what I've heard is that there is probably some way for them to get some of the funding from the state for their HEPR funding. That's basically like for upgrading and repairing buildings. And it's a amount that the legislature agrees to give the university every year to do projects. This could be part of those projects because it's a required update, but the rink size change, that's different. That's going to take a donor to step forward like the Peltiers and the nannies have done in the past and give it to the hockey program to make that update. And maybe they, they can need fi- to find that donor. And maybe they can fix the goal by the Zamboni doors too. Cause maybe, you know, maybe they can put the pipe in a different spot. Well, <laughs> that's, it is true, Frank, that the goal, the goals are not quite lined up the same. The goal near the Zamboni doors are, is slightly moved over because was it about 10 years ago when Lucia wanted to make the space behind the net smaller. So he brought the red line back Doing this, they had to drill new holes, and they couldn't drill exact spot straight back. They had to go over a couple inches to not hit a pipe. <laughs> so the goal by the Zamboni's door is like a couple inches one way or the other, and maybe the hole's not so deep, and that's why, you know, need to mix in a salad Napier always knocks it off. Yeah, I'll, the I U, love The it. U budget's in a tough spot. They, they, they already are, are going to be, you know, $30 million under budget this year based on revenues lost from ticket sales, reduced TV money coming in. They're going to have to take a bridge loan and then they're going to be having to pay two or $3 million to get that debt down for the next 10 or 15 years. And that's basically like another capital project thrown in Mark Coyle's lap. Here you go. Congrats. (laughs) Deal with the pandemic and have to take out a bridge loan because they can't run a deficit. They're going to have to do some financing to balance their books at the end of the year. We'll find out probably what that's going to be closer to to May, June. They just released their financials from last fiscal year uh, this last week. And uh, you could already see some of the impact by March Madness getting canceled in the revenues coming in. It's the Wooger's fault, isn't it? The Wooger wanted an Olympic arena. He got it. Nanny's like, you know, he mentioned it in, uh, in Jess Meyer's article. It's like, I never wanted that. How many people at the time said they never wanted that? Oh, yeah, he was probably the only one. I don't think I mean, people, pe- people didn't care back then. He, well, he says it more now, but. At the time, it was the way to go. Players were getting better, faster, more skilled. Let's go to the Olympic rink. They had six of them in the WCHA. What, you know, those few, look, look, those look, few look, times we had Olympics – on, you know, with the pro players on the big rink. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was good stuff. Right. But in college, when you were Vigs, you love to talk about how college players make big make mistakes. It's just much more pronounced out there when you got so much more space to go around somebody or it's harder to hit somebody because you got 15 more feet to go to get to the boards. Um, they can't fix that. They can only bring it in. Oh, to about what ninety one? I it, it was something around that that they can they can't go. 
Well, and the big thing so, is to uh, change the radius in the corners. So it's not as They can deep. change it, yep. Because that's that's a big thing when they narrow the rink to you know ninety one feet or whatever, kind of like they have at Notre Dame, which Blake McLaughlin might really like. He he likes that size <laughs> of rink apparently, but uh, that's the big thing is is shrink the rink a little bit, tighten up the corners. You know, it forces everything to come back to the middle much much faster. All right, well there you go. Well, first uh, before we get to some things, and actually Pat McAlady called you out a couple of. About a month ago, here, uh, Frank. Uh, on this, on this show, he did, he did a little bit. But uh, before we get to that, but not to my face. <laughs> before we get to that, we have to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers, this is Jerry Peters from First Class Mortgage. Interest rates are near all-time lows, and property values are on the rise. Lower your interest rate and remove monthly PMI at the same time to save thousands of dollars. Or use the equity in your home for debt consolidation and home improvement. The housing market is still hot, so make sure you're prepared by getting a pre-approval letter from me before you start shopping. Mention you heard about me on the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. Call me today at 612-940-3291 or visit firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. My NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgages is 322842. This is not an offer to lock into an interest rate agreement under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. And of course, we thank Jerry, as always, for sponsoring the GPL podcast. Well, right before the commercial, I mentioned uh, Pat McLeod kind of called you out during his po- when it, his debut of the podcast back in I think it was November December, and he pretty much says y- your marinara sauce sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he says you, you you need to do better, basically. Yeah. Okay. He, he went right to your Italian. Um. Right into the Italian home, right there. I mean, what what do you what do you say to old Pat on that? <laughs> I don't want to cook off with Pat <laughs> because I, I, this will be the this will be the truth, right? Of course, when people say this is the truth, then it really isn't. But this is the truth. <laughs> my sauce, my family sauce, is very good, mm. but it's not as spiced as he would have it. And therefore a lot of people would side by side would think mine is flat. But if you come over to my house and we're going to do pasta and have the sauce and it would be very good. So now is his better. The only thing I was able to get him on is he was bragging about his on the air (laughs) <laughs> and he said, you know, and, and then we add the sausage. And I said, well, where do you get your sausage? And he said, well, I buy it at the store. I said, oh, store-bought sausage in your homemade sauce? Well, you can go to a meat market and get a nice, you know. Well, I had to slam them with something. I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, I mean, if you're a true chef, for your top meals, you have a butcher in mind for certain meals. And I, I I think that's a valid argument there, Frank. <laughs> if he's not saying Lowry Hill meats or, you know, ready cuts, 
down on Johnson or Marino's or the, the, the you know, meat, Then make your own, grind it, get the casing, make your own sausage that way. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, here we go. This summer, then we're having a cook-off. Oh no! No! no, no. We're gonna have a okay. ga- We're gonna have a gathering at your house, Frank. Yeah, we're gonna, we're. we're okay. <laughs> well, that's perfect timing there. COVID. You know, there's so many questions people talking about. You know, what's your favorite broadcast place and what's location? And uh, this year, you're not going on the road at all. Um, you're stuck at TCF Bank. I suppose that's good and bad. I mean, maybe. maybe. Well, maybe. Well, that's all I'm gonna say. Just oh. maybe. What a tease that is. That's a tease. And that's as far as I can go with my NDA. How has it gone for you with the TV feeds? It, it, you guys sound pretty smooth. Like it doesn't, it sounds great, which is all that really matters. Um, but yeah, obviously there's, you're not getting close to the players. You're not doing, you're not having as many conversations with players. Like you would say, you know, like, after you're done interviewing them, you might get a couple scoops or something like that, or just the interaction with them and people and coaches. How has it been for you this year? Well, it hasn't been ideal, but um, it, but it's a lot better than I ever hoped for. Um, mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, no, it's not ideal. You, you miss the contact with the players, and I'm um, I'm just talking about really little things like um, you, you pass in the hotel lobby and you might just exchange some small talk or you might say, did he really get hit in the head or, or did, you know, were we seeing things? You know, you might get a, just a little different insight here and there or in the coffee shop um, or, of course, then, you know, on you know, the Thursday night when they, if they skate, in the visiting rink or the Friday morning when they have morning skate, you can pick up a lot more stuff hanging around the rink in those situations. So you miss that. Um, we can do it for a year. Mm-hmm. There's some that are thinking that we might have to do this again next year. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not enough of an expert on this to know whether it'll clear up, but you know, I mean, here we go. I got in trouble before when I did this, but I hope we don't do this forever. You know, road yeah. games from from a studio, and uh, but you know, it's it's a real possibility. I, I think it might be more of the future for television, maybe than radio. Television's quite, you know, that, that's that's quite expensive to put on a TV show and to send people. And I'm guessing, you know, a lot of times, obviously, Wally and you, you guys bring your own equipment and things like that. So, yeah. But TV brings in much more revenue. True. Right. To, to float that. So perspective, I, it, I don't know. I don't know what the dollars are. I don't know what the dollars are. Do you miss um, the travel? I was thinking of this question. <laughs> <laughs> I miss... Friday morning and Saturday morning breakfast. <laughs> Somebody to serve me. <laughs> when I'm just waking up. 
I have papers to worry about. You go fix your own breakfast, Frank. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, I do not miss the, uh, wow, well, trying to get to the bus on time. I mean, I, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just another deadline during the day to, and I don't do well with deadlines, right? I'm kind of a, free floater or free spirit. Sometimes I'm a, a floater and I just, um, you know, so I, I really have to work hard to make sure I'm at the bus ahead of time. Because and so there's that little bit of that. I know because travel, so home, you travel much more than you did with television. I mean, with radio, you guys, you were going to Anchorage. Um, you were going to the playoffs. Whereas, you know, once tell once, you know, MSC slash FSN was done, your year was done, but now now you're you're traveling much more than you did back in your TV days, right? Because um, in TV, you covered one series with Alaska Anchorage, the famous studio series, which was a lot of fun actually. But now you know, for those last bit, however many years, you got to go up to Anchorage, and I don't know if you had any sub zero temperatures, but it, even when it's cold, it's gorgeous up there. Well, if you don't mind darkness at nine o'clock in the morning, it's fine. <laughs> but it is a little depressing at nine in the morning when you look out your hotel window and you see the Christmas lights on the trees down down at street level. That's that's a little bit depressing. But no, here here's the biggest advantage, the biggest difference for whatever reason. Well, all right, when Wally and I did our channel twenty nine days and we were you know, booking our own rooms and everything. The kitten else, like, that roars. Kitten that roars. Yep. Legendary. <laughs> we'd we'd stay in the same hotel that the team did, mm-hmm. and that was good. We had that contact and everything. For whatever reason, when MSC came along and then Fox continued that, we stayed at a different hotel. That was awful. Mm-hmm. You're so disconnected. Because we're on the air, and by the time we get wrapped up, and you got to pay homage to everybody in the truck after the game is done, and then the team is gone, and you don't see them until you show up at the rink the next day. I hated that. Mm-hmm. That was a that was the worst part of the TV travel. So now back in radio, I mean that's that's one of the reasons that this job is so much more fun. I mean we have contact with the players on Wednesday, uh, you know Thursday if we're flying out of town, Friday and Saturday. Uh, you know, you, you can enjoy, an, you know, if they win on the road, you can enjoy that with them. It's just a whole bunch better. I, I know I that I miss road trips, Frank. I, you know, I. <laughs> My I, wife is thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think many of the times in Duluth, Viggs, we've been up there and had so many good times up in Duluth. Um hoping we can get back there for another weekend sometimes you know i'm not sure how all those contracts are gonna turn out you know everything's kind of shifted a year but uh you know with the big 10 we're not seeing these local schools as much vegs and we're not getting the road trips and you know it was it was a couple it used to be almost duluth every year and now it's every couple of years that uh, we get to go up there and i miss those days I, i'm guessing you do too vegs yeah it's different when you can't even go to the rink to watch hockey and yeah. you just miss that. The sounds of hockey, the sounds of hockey, walking around, 
you know, I, I enjoy doing the walkabouts at hockey games, you know, between periods, you get to walk around the concourse and run into people and, and just have those small interactions where you catch up with people that you haven't seen for a while unexpectedly, you know, the running into people up in the press box when covering games at Mariucci, you know, that's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to not have that in our lives. You know, even coaching, you know, I'm coaching mini mites and mites for my kids right now. You know, you have to, you know, get there. Kids are already dressed. Coaches have their helmets on everything. You put on your skates, you go on the ice, you get done, you untie the skates. You're supposed to skedaddle and get out of there. So you just kind of miss that camaraderie. I know players are kind of going through the same thing and coaches, you know, you're just not having that, that time where you get to interact with people that you've taken for granted as being able to spend that much time together with them. And it's, it takes a lot out of it. And Frank, even further from that, you know, we've got people who have either kind of lost their job or decided to leave their job. You know, you've got Nygaard up in Duluth, who was always there. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the St. Cloud State SID. Tom Nelson. Nelson, yes. You know, you see these people at the rink. You see them once a year, but it's still, uh, you know, yeah. have a nice conversation with, with these people. And I mean, I mean, I think it's it's that. You know, and even like seeing you, you know. I haven't seen you in almost a year, except for on Zoom here. And it's like we we haven't had a chance to go out and just have a burger at Maxwell's after a game, and uh, and that's kind of the most fun. Or, or even after the game, you know, hey, the, we'll see some of the referees, and they'll come over and tell us, you know, yeah, we called this because of that, and you know, it's just that stuff you don't get when right. we're sitting at home watching on TV, or you're at the arena, or at TCF Bank, you know, broadcasting games, right. Or go up to the refs and say, hey, I don't understand this penalty. Or I don't understand this whistle. Why, tell me, give me give me the reasons. And and most of them are just, you know, you, you approach them the right way. They're going to give you the good explanation. They're hockey guys. They really are. And and I think that makes all the difference in the world. You know, you can come up to them and they'll say, oh, that was good. And like, oh, they'll even say sometimes, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. But, hey, that's how it goes. Um, and, and you always get the honesty from them. And, and like I said, they're hockey guys. They completely get it. Right. All right, Frank, we got a bunch of Twitter questions. I'm going to hit you up. Darren Bakken, who's your favorite gopher of all time to watch and your favorite ever gopher hockey game to broadcast? There's no answer to that question. <laughs> I, I saw that tweet yesterday. Yeah. Um, the 2007 WCHA Final Five is 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 pretty much a classic. Yeah, and and you know yeah. the, the ones before that even yeah, so was it the 2000 um, some other Final know, Five games. It's just that one. I really I'm really happy for the replay on that one. I I didn't remember enough about that game. Um, I mean. In, and there's there's a certain amount of lawyer in me that I I, I do the I present the case and then I <laughs> I dump it and I go on to the next one and I've done a few right can't remember them all but anyway I you know I kind of remember atmospheres more and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things and I remember Colorado College coming to Mariucci Arena um, and it was the number one against number two backhand Crowley. Backhand yeah. Crowley, let late goal. Yeah. It erupted. All, see, all I remember is just the whole atmosphere was so energized. That well, was a great. 
Well, well, I'm a Crowley guy since I went to Jefferson, and I never forget, you know, Rasmussen goes wide, throws a backhand over there. He he kicks it with his skate and roofs it backhand right in front of the goalie. Just, and I, I remember the place just erupted. You erupted. I can even, I can still hear your voice calling that game. Wow, that was, you know, I, and a lot of people will say, hey, how about the Ehrman, the Ehrman penalty shot? It's we hadn't had a penalty shot in you couldn't remember in forever. Um, that crowd was electric. Um, yeah. But players, yeah, players, it's a hard time for me. My all-time favorite is Crowley. I, I've never. I'm always going to be biased against. It. I think that kid was just magical on the ice. Um, and then you had this week where Bonin and Crowley were two of the Gophers uh, selected to the all nineteen. 90s team in the WCHA. Uh, I'd say good picks there. Yeah, so it's hard to pick. How about you, Viggs? Who's your all-time favorite gopher? Oh, boy. It is a tough one when you when you start digging back. I definitely remember my first memories of watching gopher hockey. I was a little kid, and my dad would bring me the old rink, and he had season tickets behind the visiting penalty box. So I could see kind of the gopher bench and I could see the visiting team bench really well. And I could hear students above me. And then I had Goldie just to my right. And so it was a great spot as a kid to grow up learning the game, watching the game. And I think my favorite player at that time was Corey Millen. (laughs) And one of the reasons was when Corey Millen got the puck at his own zone about the blue line, everybody stood up because there was just, the feeling that when he touched the puck, he could skate by anybody and there was a scoring chance coming. And so I, I learned as a little kid, you know, that is something to watch for. And I just gravitated to watching him all over the ice. And that's how I kind of became a (laughs) college hockey fan. And I just remember seeing him race and just the excitement level of the building. And I just thought that was so neat and special. Wow, and and as, as just a second thinking about that that CC Minnesota game that you called back in the mid nineties, Frank. It was such a big matchup that the highlights of that game actually made it on Sports Center. College highlights in kind of a middle of a season on Sports Center because it was such a big matchup, and it was you know, I remember it was just crazy, you know, the atmosphere, the build up, and everything. But it wasn't one of those top ten things. It was actually. Here are the highlights from this game on Sports Center that night. So that's how big that game was. Yeah. Well, it was one versus two. I don't remember yep. who had which ranking at the time, but all I remember is it was a, was a one versus two. I believe CC was one at the time. And then they came back and won the next night. So, You know, almost anything at the Excel Energy Center, <sighs> uh, the final five, I mean, that was the pinnacle. It, uh, yeah, it, it, you it know, was. it was one of those situations where I didn't mind sort of being on the bench then for the NCAA's because that tournament was as good as any, almost as that tournament was as good as just about any Frozen Four. Except it was that, except that, for your final game, calling a TV was how many North Dakota games in a row? Six. But <laughs> who's counting? Who's <laughs> <was> counting? <laughs> Oh, you know, 
we obviously love the Final Five, but Minnesota was not good. In the 2007 Final Five championship game was the last time they won a Final Five. They didn't go. They didn't do much after that. Games were great. Well, I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't know games after. Well, that was the. the those mid two thousands was nuts. Yeah, those those were the years where you had a lot of players who were looking at where they were going to be in May, and it wasn't going to be in a college hockey uniform. They were going to be looking at pro contracts, and that was the part of college hockey where you went through that transition of the schools that had the deeper, older teams with kids who stuck around were more successful. And these teams that had so many young players never were able to gain the footing and they were always kind of looking one way and it wasn't towards the frozen four and it wasn't towards their conference tournament. Followed but up the games a, were fun. Followed up a week later with another overtime thriller in the Pepsi Center in front of about five thousand fans. The next week, yep, not quite the same. And that was a yep. great game, but without the atmosphere in Pepsi Center, it wasn't great. Um, another question. This is from Lax Ref, and he wants to know, you know, what road trip do you miss the most since you're not traveling this year? Michigan Tech. You never got to do much television there, but you, you uh, did towards the end. Early on, they never went. They never really did TV there, either MSC or early on FSN years. Um, the, it looked, maybe did two games there somewhere along the line. Yeah, then, you, you did a few towards toward, did, towards the end of your TV career. <laughs> we did more in Mar. We did more in Marquette because we Northern had, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't get crew in Houghton for some reason. Unless we were going to bring up all of our people, and that got expensive. And that's what so, you did, though. Didn't you guys take a bus up there? And you guys didn't they bus the entire crew up there one year? Uh, the uh, holy drunkenness, the Batman! That, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those of us snobs flew up, and the rest oh. of the crew. Oh, <laughs> I I remember going up with a bunch of my friends for one of those Houghton series, and. They saw you Sunday as you were on your way to the plane. And we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, you have a seven hour drive. No one's quite feeling their best. <laughs> this is going to be a long day. <laughs> yeah, we weren't feeling our best either, but it um, was, wasn't a long day. It was, it's just for some odd reason, it's a fun town. It's just, oh, yeah. I don't know what's so laid back about it. I mean, there's, you know, there's two restaurants there. There's a, what's um, the one called? The Library, I think, which has great food. Um, and then either that street or another street over, there's a, you go down a steep hill, they're all steep. And and then there's a breakfast joint down there. That's a great breakfast joint. And then, you know, well, well like well, the, the, a lot of the Gopher fans miss that trip so much, and quite a few of them are in the chat right now. They go every summer. They go up there for like an extended weekend and just visit, go to Houghton and do their partying in the summer. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they don't get to go on that road trip anymore, so they do that instead. Yeah. It's gorgeous up there. Okay. Uh, Viggs, I'm seeing a question. You know, anything possible, but in your guys' eyes, will there be two Big Tens in the NCAA AA? field of 16 this is from steve 2120 i think it's gonna be tough to get more than two unless uh, you know michigan really kind of pushes for a title 
But it Michigan's not you never know with Michigan. Yeah, you never know with Michigan because their team was going through so much turmoil during that first part of the year with guys going to World Junior, uh, some COVID cases, things like that. So you you don't really know what was going on there. I thought, you know, uh, Kemp's discussion about the NCAA tournament this week, Bob Monsko didn't really get a lot out of that other than <laughs> he there's going to be some he? criteria. Uh, Jeff Jackson's the Big Ten representative on advising how they're going to move forward. I thought the one interesting thing is that they are going to try to use their existing metrics with like pairwise to basically evaluate teams in conference and figure out which teams out of the conference are the ones that deserve to get a tournament bid. And I was kind of looking at the big 10, you know, most teams have played kind of comparable schedules. Mm -hmm. So the standings of the league match up to the pairwise rankings pretty well. And I think Minnesota and Wisconsin have separated themselves as the two favorites to get into the tournament. Now, if one of those teams in the bottom half of the conference win the tournament, when you're playing three one-game shots, that is a possibility. You know, the Big Ten, you know, there is some separation overall on the season, but during a shortened, condensed weekend, any of the teams in the league really could come out of it getting that automatic qualifier. Now it's up to the league whether or not they would have that automatic qualifier get the bid or a conference tournament or a regular season champion. I assume they will go for the automatic qualifier. So in that case, maybe Minnesota or Wisconsin doesn't make it through. But I, I do think the pairwise thing only really applies to certain leagues like Hockey East. When you have a team like BU who's only played 10 games, they rank top for pairwise, but they're like sixth in the league. So we can see something similar happen in some of the other leagues like uh, NCHC where maybe a team doesn't get enough games, so it's hard for them to finish atop their conference. But it's going to be it's gonna be the Wild West, smoky yeah. room. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, Frank, it's going to be a smoky room, maybe some deals. I don't deals. remember. I mean, yeah, I mean, by the time, you know, Rick Comley was uh, at Northern Michigan and MSC was still doing – the selection show out of the basement of the CCO building, <laughs> and literally. And, well, no, maybe not literally, but it was a very, very small studio. And they were just then starting to um, do the mathematics on it. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of saw calmly as a bit of a push in that direction, certainly embraced it anyway. And so I don't remember the, the you know, the backdoor Badgers. I was not in college hockey at that time. Was that? Is that 80? Oh, boy. Hey, you're going back too far for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I think they had lost lost regular season or, or did not win the regular season, um, did not win the tournament, and then magically showed up mm -hmm. in the NCAAs. And so they called them the backdoor Badgers or something like that. Anyway, I, so I don't remember the smoky rooms and all. Um <laughs> How, but you know, can, one thing that the pairwise has done is it. it how about two WCHA teams? Ooh, I mean, Minnesota State's yeah. making a very strong case this mm -hmm. year that they deserve to be in, regardless of what happens in their tournament. And there could is be Bemidji, another team. Is yeah. Bemidji or Michigan Tech even? Because if you well, look at the pairwise in their league, as I was just going to pull up, I think Michigan Tech has the second. Pairwise spot. 
Bowling Green's third. So we'll see what happens there. What where's Bemidji? Um, I think they're fourth. Wow. And they're the one who keeps showing up in the polls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, they've played a really weird schedule. Well, they played Mankato enough times to boost whatever <laughs> yeah. strength the schedule they might have. Huh. Hey, I, I missed that news conference or whatever it was or news release that Motsko was talking about. Do we have a uh, fourth region yet? They say it's going to be announced in the upcoming days, not weeks, but they have another site and it's going to be out east. They they want to try to put teams on buses if they can to get to their regional site rather than force plane travel and quarantine issues. So there are going to announce a site out east. There is going to be cl- there is going to be plane travel. I mean, there's going to be some, but they're going to try to reduce it as much as they who's can. Who's going to go to Loveland? Denver's not right now. CC's not going to go. Loveland, Colorado is going to be a, a flight for quite a few teams. In fact, most of the teams. Anyone going oh. to Loveland, it's going to be a flight. Omaha might be able to, but yeah. Probably... That's, you know, that's risky at that time of year, though, because you never know when you can get a, a blizzard in that open area between you know Omaha and Denver. Whew. And by the way, Bemidji's actually behind Lake Superior State, too, in the pairwise. So they're not fourth or fifth. They need to start winning. They got to win some games. What's your source? Where, where are you? Uh, USCHO and some uh, fancy Excel V lookup tables that I put in. Oh, I was kind of looking at you know, the different. I was looking at the cratch. I was looking at the strength and schedule as much as you can because I'm just interested to see how it's going to sort out because I feel like there's going to be some rationale for how they pick the teams, but it's just going to be like lies and statistics. It's like we picked this team because they're – Cratch was really good, or their strike Watch schedule was really good. You Where's know? AIC in your um, crystal ball? AIC is the second team in Atlantic. Canisius has the top pairwise, and uh, Canisius has a much stronger strength of schedule. So the teams that they have played are ahead of AICs. But I, I just don't see AIC getting two teams because their pairwise is out of whack so much because they just play each other, and it's a real top-heavy conference. Like the top teams are dominating that league. Hmm. Well, how about this weekend, guys? Michigan State coming into town. Um, I was we were kind of hoping that Michigan State would start improving, but it's just not improving yet. Viggs, they're at the bottom. They're at the bottom. They've had a little bit of a talent uh, departure, a little brain drain on that team. Mm-hmm. They've got a strong goalie with DeRitter, who's basically keeping them in hockey games, but they just don't have the offense that we've seen the last couple of years for them to really rise up above water and be dangerous. And so this is a kind of a trap weekend, I think, for Minnesota coming off their high of playing such perfect hockey against Notre Dame. Michigan State doesn't have that same kind of bark and bite, but they still have to keep progressing. Is this team I don't think can afford to take the foot off the gas too much in this kind of weekend because they could just create all kinds of problems for themselves again if they don't stay focused. You know, one thing I I don't think we'll see that though. One thing I've noticed this year though, Frank, is that Minnesota is 
pretty much they're undefeated against the lower echelon teams. At least maybe they weren't think they're going to be lower echelon, but they're undefeated against those teams. They don't. I mean, in the past we'd see they'd lose to a last place team out of nowhere. This year we're seeing that they are typically losing to much better teams, not the lower end teams like we've seen in the past. Well, they get yeah. We've had some of the lower end here on the ocean, and can we call it a bandy rink? Anyway, you know, on the big <laughs> team, and you, um, you know, this team has got the speed to to kill you on that rink. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. Arizona State worked as hard as they did for as undermanned as they were and as sick as they were. Uh, to compete as hard as they did, and they still got shellacked, but it was um, anyway. So okay, yeah, but I, I'll go more with what Vegas thinking. Can't let up here. I mean, you got to take these guys as seriously, you know, until mm-hmm. you get yourself a big lead. You got to you got to go after these guys. You got to knot their ankles, and you got to you got to make them pay. Otherwise, it's not like it's not like the NHL where in two or three days you're going to come back and have another game and get yourself back in stride, you're going to have to wait a week to get back to your, your the game you want to play. So I, I say you got to go after these guys. And I, and I think you almost have to come into the weekend with that conservative mindset of we want to get on the forecheck and stick with that game rather than possess the puck like they did against Arizona State and Ohio State yeah. because I think they got used to being able to get away with that. Right. And the space is probably going to be there on the big rink for them to play that style. I just, I'm curious to see if they're able to stick with the four checking game that Bob wants them to play against a team where they could probably get away with more possession skill on the rush. So that's kind of what I'll be watching for this weekend. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking this team's coming together pretty well. I'm thinking it's going to be 4-1, 5-1 type games this weekend. Anything less than a sweep, and I am really disappointed. They need the I full, don't think they you're need, wrong. They need the full <laughs> six points. Uh, but they also they can't be looking ahead. Obviously, we know that the House of Horrors is next weekend. So they need to take care of business this weekend. Yes, Penn State's not as good this year. Uh, but uh, they didn't get to solve that problem like they did, or they didn't get to solve that last year. Played well, we're heading out there, and then the season gets shut down. So hopefully they're not looking ahead to Penn State um, because Michigan State can still sneak in there and get a win, Beeks. Yeah, I think this team will be looking at this series. I just hope that they play the right style. I see six points coming out of it. Michigan State doesn't have the firepower to keep up with Minnesota if it does start to get into one of those scoring kinds of games. You know, I, I'm just looking more for that style of play that they stick to what was successful against Notre Dame because that's going to be the way they're going to have to go forward. Mm-hmm. And also when they go to Penn State, you know, there's going to be more of a forecheck to, to release pressure against. You know, Penn State plays more aggressive. So you're going to have to have players continue to get deep to start the breakout, and you're going to have to have players support the puck you can't get in a situation where you get into that 40, 50 foot pass game. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a bad habit that they will be able to probably execute against a team like Michigan state, but they just shouldn't. <laughs> you well, know, I can be able to put the weekend after Penn state either no. when Michigan comes here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun finish. I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Tim Hapke with a couple of points. He bet Moe Mo gets a start Saturday this week. It might be the last time to get Mo in, so maybe it's this weekend. And then he's like, he would love to see Brodzinski score a goal again. In his lifetime or this year? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Viggs, Mo. Do you think Mo should get in at least one game, maybe the Saturday game? If, uh, I mean, this may be the last chance. I don't think he gets a game. I think this is Jack's team. I think Bob's made that pretty clear. Okay. He's he's even taken some pot shots at Mo, you know, blaming him for soft goals, oh, which you don't usually see out of a coach. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot of confidence in Jack, and the team has a lot of confidence in Jack. I think you'll see him in that all the way down the stretch, unless the team gives up like they did against Wisconsin, and he just wants to save them the energy. Yeah, that's, that's a little different, but... Uh... So we all think it's sweep this weekend? Better. <laughs> no, I'd be disappointed, like, you know, with you. Yeah. Um, Let's get it going. Michigan Battle State him. does their power, and if they do, I don't know how they're going to get past LaFontaine. Um, and the Gophers have got the firepower that sh- should have an easy time five on five. Relatively. <laughs> I mean, there's no Hiroshi line to, to worry about anymore, right? You know, we were killed by his line. Yeah, they were. Yeah. That's that was the only reason they were good the last couple of years, honestly. And so, we'll have to wait and see. Well, Frank, you're now back into the lead with your ninth podcast. Um, yeah, more than Micheletti. Mick's been on one show. God, he's a piker. <laughs> But Todd Molesky had just tied you last week with eight appearances. And he's on twice a year now because, you know, obviously we play the Badgers twice. So he's going to pass you up here soon. Sorry. But you're our longest tenured guest. Show number two, and this is 188. Yeah. But we thank you for coming on, Frank. You're welcome. When was the first year? Just so I can... Ten years ago, ten. So it was it was, it was two thousand the uh, fall of two thousand ten. And mm. you put me on, and I was on the bench. <laughs> I was. Oh boy, you were not on the bench. Yeah, I was. I don't think so. Were you? Yeah. Well. Hello, I do remember. I do remember the pink slip. Yeah, well, I, I'll I'll check that in overtime. Check, yeah, check I'll check that. that in overtime. Okay. Well, I'm trying to wrap up the show here, Frank. Let me produce the show, and we'll do that in overtime. I'm tired of producers. <laughs> we'll get into that in overtime as well. Viggs, you got any last uh, wishes here? <laughs> Just look forward to this weekend. Stay out of the box on oh, those geez. offensive zone penalties, Gophers. Your coach doesn't like it. I know that the the stick might come out for players who do that. We've seen that with a couple guys like Brodzinski who have been read the riot act about taking penalties and 200 feet from their own net. That's something that could make this weekend more difficult than it needs to be. And when their top four penalty killers are the guys who are taking those penalties like Nelson, Myers, Walker, McLaughlin, it hurts their penalty kill. So that's the only way they can get themselves in trouble this weekend. Yeah. 
All right, well, that's going to do it for this uh, podcast this week. We want to thank Frank Mazzacco again for joining us uh, for his ninth time on the podcast. It's always great to have him here. You know, we'll be back next week to recap of this series with MSU and preview the the series with Penn State. We'll see. Have to see how that goes. I'm looking forward to it. Um, for those of you uh, currently watching live, we'll have a bit of overtime coming up next. The rest of you, stay tuned. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.